the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What if Neil and Buzz were still up there? I'm talking about, uh, of course, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, who walked on the moon 50 years ago tomorrow night. And it wasn't a slam dunk. Uh, everything had to go right, and we know now, now that it did, and we're going to talk about it here with a with an historian and author uh, a little bit later. And later on, I'll read Richard Nixon's What If They Didn't Come Home speech that he didn't have to read, and it was kind of exposed to the public 30, um, 30 years later that he had, to, he had written that speech. Anyway, today we're going to talk about a lot of history. In our second half hour, we're going to talk to Lanny Frateri about the 1979 Pirates. So they're having their 40th reunion here this weekend. Lots of the uh, players from that team in town. Today's also the 50th anniversary of Ted Kennedy driving Mary Jo Kopechny into a pond and leaving her there to die. So this was a huge weekend back in the summer of 69. Kennedy got off way too easy. Uh, everybody knows that now. And the best example of that was what the New York Times reporter, reporter James Reston wrote for his lead line in his story the next day. He said, tragedy again struck the Kennedy family. Mary Jo Kopechny was dead because he saved himself and left her there to suffocate. Not drown, suffocate. Uh, Teddy should have done some jail time, and he got just as much sympathy as scorn after that accident. Everybody old enough to remember knows where they were when Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin landed 50 years ago tomorrow night. It's one of those events that, you know, there's really no way to really appreciate it unless you were alive and aware, unless you lived it. I was a month and a half away from my 21st birthday, and my best friends and I watched it in the home of one of our friends who had gotten married early and had his own house. We were too young to have our own apartments then, still living with our parents. Couldn't go to a bar because the drinking age was 21. So that's uh, you know that's where we watched it. But if it happened tomorrow night instead of 50 years ago, people would be watching it in a sports bar on a 65-inch screen. It was a crazy time to be alive. Uh, 13 months earlier, Bobby Kennedy had been assassinated. Two months before that, Martin Luther King was assassinated. And there were great moments in sports that year, too. Uh, Joe Namath, remember? And the Jets? Uh, well, they beat the Colts in January of 69. And a couple of months after the moonwalk, the Mets pulled off a miracle and won the 1969 World Series. I think there was probably... Uh, that that might have been as amazing as walking on the moon at the time. And there was no internet. Most people still hadn't gotten their first color TV. No Twitter, no Facebook, no cable TV, no CNN, no Fox News. Film of the Vietnam War was on the evening news every night. The drinking age in West Virginia, Ohio, and New York, by the way, was 18. That meant a lot of road trips for us that summer. But 50 years ago tomorrow night, July 20th, 1969, everybody was sitting in front of a TV, and everybody was on the same side, rooting for the same team. Great time to be alive. We'll talk about it with a historian named Lee Edwards from the Heritage Foundation when we come back. If you're an employer, a business owner, if you have 5 to 100 employees, listen up. The cost of doing business continues to skyrocket, strangling your HR department with more regulations, administrative duties, and liability than ever. I'm John Steigerwald. Your health plan's a big part of that cost. Another year, another 10% rate hike, another $1,000 increase on your deductible, another hospital or doctor you can't go to because they're not in the network. Isn't it time for a change? Well, stop the insanity and call Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the industry. 
Put an end to the annual increase. Give your employees a national network that all hospitals accept and reduce your monthly premiums by 20 to 30%. It doesn't matter when your renewal is. Marley can help today. Call 724-884-1496. Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. 724-884-1496. A couple of weeks ago, we had Rocky Blyer here to talk about his work with Miracle League in Moon Township. Fields for athletes with special needs. Jim Leland, the Pirates' former manager, is also involved in that project. Jim, thanks for being here. Great to be here, John. Great to talk to you. Tell me about the Miracle League of Moon Township. It's just a great thing for these kids, and it's a wonderful opportunity for people to participate. Some people are a little less fortunate than others, and I think it's just a great opportunity for people to volunteer and to help out and put a smile on somebody's face. I've seen the field that they put out in Upper St. Clair. It's amazing. Oh, it's unbelievable. The way they construct these things, they have the ramps and everything for the kids. It takes a little stress off the parents. I think it's what Pittsburgh's all about. It's just a great thing. It'll serve Montour, West Allegheny, Moon, Swickley, Weirton, Steubenville, Beaver County, and surrounding communities. Approximately one 100 to 200 children will be eligible to participate, and it'll also serve adults with special needs. So it's a great cause. And if you'd like to see how you can help, maybe donate some money, check it out at miraclesinmoon.org. Miraclesinmoon.org. We'll be right back. Community Bank. City Mission. Number one Cochrane. Highmark Stadium. Peters Township Community Center. Angela's Restaurant. What do all these businesses have in common? Nello Construction. Design and build with one company. Nello Construction. Full-service construction from the ground up. Renovation. Expansion. Nello Construction. The choice for business. See the projects. Begin the journey at NelloConstruction.com. You watch what you eat. You're hitting the gym. You're doing your best to live a healthy life. But did you know that a bad night's sleep and a bad mattress can have a big impact on your health? Here at the Original Mattress Factory, our hand-built mattresses made of the highest quality materials provide the comfort and support needed to provide healthy sleep for years to come. To learn more about how the right mattress can help you achieve healthy sleep habits, visit OriginalMattress.com or stop by an Original Mattress Factory store near you. The gimmicks, the flashy sales, and the big markups. Mattress stores have made the mattress shopping experience confusing on purpose. Ron Trzinski started the Original Mattress Factory to create a better way. He raised the bar on quality, offered hand-built mattresses for a fraction of the cost, and ditched the high-pressure sales tactics, all to create a better mattress-buying experience for you. You could say he was the original disruptor. Stop by an Original Mattress Factory store or visit us at OriginalMattress.com to see the OMF difference for yourself. Do you or your business have financial problems? Are you overwhelmed with debt? Then call me, Attorney Dennis Spire at 412-471-7675. My legal practice concentrates on bankruptcy law, debtor rights, and tax matters. I have over 30 years' experience as a former United States Department of Justice bankruptcy attorney and lawyer in private practice. I have represented thousands of cases faced with financial problems and lawsuits. Reorganize and get a fresh start. Call 412-471-7675 or visit my website at DennisSpira.com. Warning, listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity. The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The Answer. Yeah, walking on the moon. 50 years ago tomorrow night, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin walked on the moon, and you would have to be at least 60 years old, maybe a little younger, to really appreciate what a big deal it was. Lee Edwards is an historian and the author of an, and editor of 25 books, including biographies of Ronald Reagan and Barry Goldwater. He can tell you what a big deal it was. He joins us now. Lee, thanks for being here. Got a little problem uh, connecting here. Lee, are you there? Okay, sorry. I'm here. Yeah, thanks, okay. Lee. Sorry, we had a little uh, disconnect there. Thanks no for, problem. Thanks no, for it joining was, us. It was, it was humongous. <laughs> it was a, a great day. Yeah, it's a good thing that what just happened here didn't happen on the, to guys on the moon. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, somebody said that uh, 23 thing was a scientist working back at uh, Houston. 23 things had to happen perfectly for the mission to... Uh, to be accomplished. Yeah, and so... things per- perfectly. How'd you like to get on a plane to go from Pittsburgh to Cleveland knowing that 23 things have to happen perfectly, uh, you know, th- for you to get there alive? That that takes some guts to get on that plane, doesn't it? 
So many guts, and we were so lucky to have someone like, like Neil Armstrong, who was the pilot, and who very calmly landed on the moon with, I think somebody said it was like 20 seconds of fuel remaining. Yeah. And he and he kept his cool and said, okay, we're here. You know, it's funny, uh, now that you mention that, you know, you'll hear, I, I always think of this when I hear, You'll hear uh, the pilot, um, the recordings of the pilot when there's a, an accident, uh, a, either a, a, a plane crashes or it's, it looks like it might crash. And you hear the pilots talk and they're, they're so calm. They'll say, you know, I, I'm yes. going to have to put it down yeah. right here. And they're getting ready to land a gigantic jet in the ocean and they say it like it, they're just it's another landing. I guess you have to have that in your blood. Mm-hmm. Well, Neil Neil was was a trained pilot. I mm-hmm. mean, he'd done it all. He he had done it, probably everything from uh, from Cessnas back when he was a kid, up to the, the U two and everything else in between. Uh, so he was calm, cool, and collected, and knew what had to be done, focused on it, and yet at the same time, you know, John came up with those marvelous words, you know, mm-hmm. one step for man, a giant leap for mankind. And I've been trying to find out where that came from. Was that just he doing it himself on his own? And what inspired him to come up with that perfect language? Just amazing. And it's also amazing that it, that, uh, that it didn't come out before he said it. You know, like yes. today, I think right. it would. If somebody would have tweeted it, that you know, tweeted it out that I've just uncovered what Neil Armstrong is going to say when he stepped. Going to say right, and it would have ruined. As a matter of fact, there was a press conference, and some reporters said, "Well, now, Neil, uh, uh, have you thought about what you're going to say when you land on the moon?" And Neil just looked at him, and it was like one, two, three. Four, and they said, "No, I haven't," <laughs> <laughs> which was a lie, I think. But you know, I, I, I don't blame him for. So let's start. Uh, I want to ask you, where were you uh, fifty years ago tomorrow night? Well, I was here in Washington D.C., um, looking forward to this extraordinary uh, accomplishment, saying that my goodness, after the decade that we I had been through. Mm-hmm which included Kennedy's assassination, MLK's death, Robert Kennedy, the Vietnam War, which was tearing my my beautiful, beloved country apart. Mm-hmm. We needed something positive. We needed something exceptional to happen. And that's what the, the, the landing that uh, the man on the moon and Apollo 11 did. It gave us a, a chance to put aside all the traumas which we had been enduring and suffering through, and celebrate, uh, and say what a wonderful thing it is to be an American. Yeah, um, and uh, I wasn't alive for Pearl Harbor. Um, I missed that by a few years. I know it was a big deal, uh, everybody does, but is the first moonwalk, you know, one of those events that you really can't appreciate unless you were alive and, and old enough to understand it? I mean, you can be told about... Pearl Harbor. My mother and dad were alive, and they they remember what it was like to wake up that Sunday morning and and get the news. Um, uh, so if you, I don't know, can you really get an appreciation for an event like this if you weren't alive when it happened? I think it would be difficult to do that. But if if you were there at the time and you were entranced, I mean, yeah. we were all watching it uh, wherever we were, whether it's in our homes or in in bars or restaurants or public. Uh, places, whatever it might be, and could it happen? Would it happen? You know, bit by bit, uh, mile by mile, inch by inch, all of this was happening before our very eyes, and we knew that about a half a billion people mm-hmm. around the world were looking at this extraordinary accomplishment by man and for mankind. Yeah, and uh, there's been some um, revisionist history done on this over the years. Uh, more recently, <clears throat> excuse me. More recently, I guess uh, some people like to diminish the American part of it, you know, and declare it as a human accomplishment. I have a feeling you're not going to be buying that. No, 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 <laughs> not at all. Because while we were putting all the pieces together and making them happen, the Soviets hadn't given up, even though they, you know, they put up Sputnik, they put up Gagarin first, and so forth. But they were still trying to make that lunar landing. So a lot of other people, China, India, were doing satellites as well. So this was an American accomplishment. To me, 
it's you can say that nobody else had the necessary personnel, the necessary knowledge, and the necessary resources, the billions and billions of dollars that had to be committed to make it happen. To me, it's, it's just proof positive just how exceptional America is. Yeah, and I, uh, I yesterday on the show, I played the entire, like, 16 or 17-minute speech from John F. Kennedy at Rice University in 1962 uh, when he said, we're not doing this because it's easy, we're doing it because it's hard. Uh, yeah. well, that's the most famous line from it, and something like that. Um, and so, it, it, there, and you, you mentioned in your piece that you wrote today about the competition part of it. They, the Russians kind of... It was a challenge, and Americans just, you know, that's a, they're competitive people, and uh, they, weren't, they just weren't going to lose. Well, I think also, John, we have to keep in remember, this was 1969. The Cold War was still on. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was still very serious competition between us and the Soviets, and so every event was seen in that light. Uh, is, this an, is this a retreat, or is this a victory in the Cold War? And to my mind, one of the most important things coming out of it was the conviction that the Soviets had that we could do anything. We could put a man in the moon. So therefore, when along came Ronald Reagan years later and talked about SDI, mm-hmm. the Soviets said, well, of course, of course the Americans can do it. Never any question in their mind. Whereas here, of course, we had our, our, our friends... Um, of the liberal persuasions, calling it you know nonsense and right. Star Wars right. and all the rest of it. That's really that a good was point. Not the case. Uh, we're talking to Lee Edwards of the Heritage Foundation, historian and author. Um, I, that's really a good point. That that was 1969, but in what 1987, 88, 89, when all that was happening with uh, SDI and uh, mm-hmm. uh, that's missile defense, of course. That right. uh, that would be something that the that the Russians would be very fresh in their mind that uh, we kicked their butt getting to the moon, and we said we were going to do it, and we did it. Um, and Absolutely. I don't think too many people have made that point. I haven't. That's a really great point. I think. Well, I think it is, and I, I think it it really goes to the fact that we didn't. The Soviets said well, they can do it. We can't do it in terms of the, the moon mm-hmm. shot and then uh, SDI. Therefore, the arms race is impossible. We're going to have to give it up and come to some accommodation and end the Cold War, not on the battlefield, but at the bargaining table, which is precisely what happened because of America's ability to do the what seemingly was the impossible. I'm pretty sure they haven't gotten to the moon yet, unless I missed it. I don't think they've. They, <laughs> no, I don't think they're up there yet. Um, Not yet. No, I remember what it was. A, uh, it was a big deal when when uh, Sputnik was uh, put into orbit by the Russians. I looked up the date today. I knew I was a little kid. Um, it was uh, one day after my ninth birthday. I was in the third grade, uh, October nineteen fifty seven, and um, I remember the teachers uh, Lee at the time. Not just on the day that it happened, but it became a thing. If you were a kid, that that it was like they were putting pressure on you. Hey, the Russians have Sputnik up there. You kids better pick up the pace here. We can't have right. this and pay attention in school. And you know, uh, we we need more scientists, and we can't have the Russians up there with a satellite. We got to get one up there. Uh, I'm not exaggerating. It was it was actually a thing when you were in school. Oh, then. it was. It was. It was a big thing, and it was a real shock to us because we thought that we were years ahead of the Soviets, that we didn't think they could possibly do this, that they were still, you know, they had their their Ford buggy that they were driving when actually they had this ability to put up first uh, Sputnik, and then a couple of years later, they put uh, Mr. Gagarin, Yuri Gagarin, mm-hmm. in, in orbit around around the uh, the Earth. And both of those were shocks to us, and the challenge was laid down. The gauntlet had been thrown down to us, and uh, Kennedy picked it up and said, you know, that's when he made that, as you say, the first of the commitment and then that marvelous speech in 1962 at Rice when we choose to do the difficult thing and the hard thing. And this really was a hard thing um, to be able to do all that had to be done. And we shouldn't forget that, uh, including that, was that terrible accident yeah. in 1967 when three of these brave cosmonauts, cosmonauts um astronauts died uh, in the fire there at the landing um, 
uh, pad of the uh, of the satellite, the Saturn satellite. And by the way, there were uh, some real costs. Yeah, the great stuff is one of my favorite movies. It's a great movie, um, isn't it? Yes, yeah. it is. Uh, they really and, captured it. Yeah, and Gus Grissom. I, I just read today. I wasn't aware of this till today. I was looking up some stuff today because of this. Um, Gus Grissom, from one of the pieces I read today, was really he was kind of in line to be who Neil Armstrong ended up being. Yeah, he, he would have been the first man on the moon. Wow. He would have been. Yeah, and and I also read something interestingly that um, that Neil Armstrong wasn't necessarily selected, nor nor was even Gus Grissom. They had a they had a rotation of crews that they this crew was assigned to this mission, and then you're next, and then you're back up on this mission, and then you're the you're the you know you're the you're the number one crew on the next mission, and it just came out that that. Um, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin uh, were that's that's their crew, and then and they got right. the moonshot. Mm-hmm. Right, indeed. And how fortunate we were to have somebody like that, and particularly when we look back on that business of being able to pilot uh, for mm-hmm. the landing, because uh, they had to turn off, if you recall, the computer, and it was all done, uh, uh, you know, just through uh, Neil Armstrong's talents and abilities, and on his own. Mm-hmm. was able to do that and find that new landing site in the Sea of Tranquility, and then to come down with only 15 or 20 seconds left of fuel, uh, all of that would not have been possible, if you, perhaps if you'd had another pilot who wasn't as calm and cool and collected as Neil Armstrong was. Remarkable man. And you have, but, some, you have but some... Remarkable, but at the same time, you know, all, an American. Mm-hmm. That's the point right. I keep making. Right, right. Uh, and you have an interesting quote uh, from Richard Nixon in your piece today. Yes, uh, that he thought this showed that this brought together the whole world, that uh, all mankind, as he put it, uh, coming together and uh, really praising this accomplishment. And uh, and people accepted that. I mean, they, they weren't saying, oh, well, you know, uh, let, let's somehow not get involved in, right. in congratulating because it was done by an American mission. Not at all. Uh, perhaps uh, even uh, even the Soviets were uh, maybe feeling, oh, you know, they really are something. Those yeah. Americans, they can do almost anything. Well, the average I mean, that person, was the I don't know how many people in, in in Russia even had TVs back then, but but uh, the average person, if they had a TV, uh, you know, outside of politics, had to be impressed, and that, it had to be tough for the for the Russians uh, if they even let them see it to um, to to explain how that happened. You know, I think also, John, we ought to give credit to to Lyndon Lyndon Johnson, who uh, once uh, Kennedy had been assassinated, okay, for political purposes, said he was going to make this a monument to our martyred president. That was political, but at the same time, he understood the importance of space, and he that this is all part of what was being uh, developed in those days. And I think we have to give him credit all during those 60s that he made sure that there was adequate finances, there was support for uh, coming to the Houston people. Uh, and so I think it was Kennedy, it was Johnson, and then I think finally uh, Mr. Nixon making sure that it happened. Hey, uh, Lee, I have about I have a minute left, and I'm against a hard break. Really quickly, if you can do it, uh, you wrote a book called Media Politic about mass media. How different would it be if the first moonwalk happened tomorrow night instead of 50 years ago tomorrow night? Well, I think it would be totally different, and I think at that time you were, you were able to focus and people were able to cooperate and respect uh, certain things. For example, somebody would have leaked Neil Armstrong's uh, <laughs> right. words, would right. have made it up or said, this is what he's going to say, even if he did not. Right. So I think that there was an exceptional time when someone like Walter Cronkite was able to speak for all of us and say, wow, which is all he said when Neil Armstrong touched down on the moon. A great, epic moment, uh, an extraordinary accomplishment by an extraordinary man. Yep, and wow kind of summed it up. Hey, Lee, I'm, I'm out of time. Always great to have you on the show. Thanks for doing it. Hope to do it again sometime. My pleasure, John. All the best. Take All right. care. See you later. That's Lee Edwards from the Heritage Foundation. He knows his stuff. We'll be back.
With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. Iran said Friday it seized both a British oil tanker and a Liberian-flagged oil tanker in the Strait of Hormuz, a fresh escalation in tensions between Tehran and the West. More from the BBC's Jonathan Beale. We know that this uh, tanker, this British flag tanker, left uh, Fajera, which is in the Emirates. You know, it looks like it is in Iranian hands. The Iranians have confirmed it. The Revolutionary Guard uh, say they have taken it. And as you say, the reason they've given is not following international maritime regulations. Another Iranian source saying it was causing problems. I think you have to take that with a pinch of salt uh, because we know that Iran was seeking revenge, essentially, for what Britain did, or what they see as what Britain did, by seizing a tanker with Iranian oil off the coast of Gibraltar earlier this month. On Wall Street, the Dow down by 68 points, the Nasdaq dropped 60. This is SRN News. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-607-3551. That's 800-607-3551, 800-607-3551, or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials, or price could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. Let's face it, we love Alexa, and we love to let her find your favorite radio station. This one, of course. We love it, too, when she finds us. But she could find us easier if we taught her a simple skill. To get started, simply say, Alexa, enable the answer Pittsburgh skill. After she confirms, you can then say, Alexa, play the answer Pittsburgh. That's all you have to do, and Alexa will learn how to find us. You can listen to us through your Amazon Echo, Echo Show, Echo Dot, and Amazon Tap devices. Alexa, what is your favorite radio station? That's easy. AM 1250, the answer. Are you worried that the next market downturn could rob you of your wealth and your security? Are you concerned that your lifetime may last longer than your life savings? You don't have to be. For over 30 years, Gary Hunt has advocated for strong retirement principles, helping families in Allegheny and Westmoreland generate more income while protecting their retirement funds. And Gary now offers retirement-minded savers and investors a free book so you can better understand what it takes to structure a more stable, secure, and confident retirement. Call Gary Hunt and request your copy of Income Allocation. 844-366-HUNT. That's 844-366-48. This is Chris Abernethy of Abernethy and Hagerman. You don't want the government deciding what happens to your estate or how much they will take. At Abernethy and Hagerman, estate administration is the heart and soul of our practice. We have the experience to help not only plan, but administer your estate properly to protect your assets, minimize taxes, and ensure that your inheritance gets to the ones you love. Decide for yourself. Abernethy and Hagerman. Legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. Community Bank. City Mission. Number one Cochrane. Highmark Stadium. Peters Township Community Center. Angelo's Restaurant. What do all these businesses have in common? Nello Construction. Design and build with one company. Nello Construction. Full service construction from the ground up. Renovation. Expansion. Nello Construction. The choice for business. See the projects. Begin the journey at NelloConstruction.com. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives and restore sight and health for many more. Sign up right now online as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Watch out for weekend construction still shutting down McFarland Road, Mount Lebanon, between Liberty Avenue and Dell Avenue. That's for the whole weekend. Very busy on the Parkway West inbound, approaching Roslyn Farms Road all the way to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Outbound a little heavy, Parkway Center Drive to Carnegie. Parkway East stacking up on the inbound side all the way from William Penn Highway to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. An outbound heavy approaching the tunnel. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer, weather. 
Very warm and sticky tonight with a few spots seeing a shower or thunderstorm, low 76. Tomorrow, sunshine and patchy clouds, very hot and humid, 94 degrees. We'll stay uncomfortably warm and sticky tomorrow night with a stray shower or thunderstorm, 74. And another hot, humid day Sunday with a shower or thunderstorm, especially in the afternoon. Sunday's high right around 90 degrees. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, we've been talking about uh, history here today. Really important stuff in the first half hour, the anniversary of the uh, moonwalk uh, tomorrow night and uh, uh, Ted Kennedy's accident at Chappaquiddick 50 years ago tonight. Uh, and uh, the, this weekend, the Pirates are celebrating the 40th anniversary of their 1979 World Championship. Uh, Lanny Frateri was there for every pitch that season as one of the voices of the Pirates. He joins us now. Lanny, how you doing? Thanks for being here. John, thank you very much for inviting me to be a part of the show tonight. Thank you. I'm uh, Suzanne and I are right now driving uh, to downtown. Uh, all of us who are part of the 79 championship, we're going to have dinner tonight together, and I'm really excited to. There are a lot of guys that I, a lot of guys and their wives that I haven't seen in probably 30 years. So it'll be wow, quite exciting for me. Well, as you know, uh, I uh, followed you into Charleston in 1976 when you started here with the Pirates. I just thought of this now. And uh, some of the guys you're going to see, Steve Nicosia, um, Omar Moreno, I saw them when they were uh, 21, 22 years old, and now they're old men like you and me. <laughs> yeah, Ed Ock, uh, yeah. Kent Colby was, was with me when I was broadcasting in Charleston in uh, 74 and 75. And uh, matter of fact, uh, Teak and I have been great friends, such great friends yeah. that uh, Kent's wife, Linda, is uh, godmother for our daughter, Megan. Wow. So when when you think of uh, that 79 season, uh, do you think of Omar Moreno making that catch for the last out in Game 7 of the World Series, or do you think of you know the six-month journey? Uh, the reason I ask you that is because I lived through the 1960 Pirates, the 71 Pirates, as a fan, and I always tell people that, you know, people remember Bill Mazeroski's home run in 1960, obviously, but I remember the season. I was, I was a little kid, but I, I remember what a great thing the season was. As a broadcaster, or, or do, you, do you get that feeling about, do you picture the whole year, or do you focus on that Game 7? No, it's the whole year. As a matter of fact, it goes, and John, you know this, it goes back to the, the, the season before. Remember the Pirates were 12 and a half games out of first place? Oh, yeah. After losing... A game to the Phillies, then came back and almost captured, uh, almost caught the Phillies um, in that uh, in that '78 season. But so many magical things happened, including the fact that, uh, and I'm sure you've heard this story, John. But remember, Chuck Tanner's mother died between yep. games four and five, mm-hmm. and the Pirates were down three games to one. And and I happened to Sunday, Sunday's fifth game was a night game, and. And I walked into Chuck's office with Jim Pergosi. Now, Pergosi had been with the Pirates earlier that year, and then he became manager of the Angels. Jim Pergosi and I walked into Chuck Tanner's office to extend our condolences, and Chuck put his hands on our shoulders and said, thank you very much for your condolences, but I want you to know my mother went to get us help. <laughs> and and I found out later from Ken Sokovi that that is what Chuck told his players before Game 5. And Teak has told me that just by Chuck doing that, it relaxed his club dramatically. And, of course, they won game five with Rooker and Blylevin doing such a masterful job. Rooker was a surprise starter in that game. And then Tocolvi and Candelaria. Candelaria started game six, shut out. And then, of course, game seven, Willie hit the big home run to the bullpen in right center field, and Pirates won four to one. But so many magical things, including the fact that and I'm sure that a lot of your fans that were, were part of the 79 season. Remember, uh, one of the magical things for me was Chuck Cantor played Kent to Colby in left field for yep. one batter against the San Francisco Giants. I remember. Yeah. In, uh, I think it was September 1st of that year. And, and what are the odds that to Colby should be in left field for <laughs> right. one batter, Darrell right. Evans, right. and that one batter should hit the fly ball to Teak? I mean, the, you know, the odds of that. And then also that same California trip, the Pirates won a 19-inning game against the Padres. The game ended about 4 o'clock Pittsburgh time, and Dave Roberts, twice in that game, had a three-ball count on a Padre hitter with the bases loaded, twice in the game in the extra innings, and both times got out of that jam and the Pirates won it. So, as I say, it, there were so many magical things that happened that year. That game out in San Diego, uh, that was um, that, that, that was kind of looked at as the turning point, wasn't it? Being able well, to hold well, on to win that certainly, game. 
uh, certainly that you know everybody uh, when, when uh, you, know, you know back then uh, teams always went to California and played all three California teams in the same road trip mm-hmm. and uh, uh, pirates the pirates hadn't historically done particularly well going out to California but they certainly did during that that stretch from late August into early September yeah and um, uh, that team didn't look like a World Series team for the first couple of months of the season did it well, for a couple of reasons. First of all, um, remember that the Pirates did not acquire Tim Foley until late April of that year, mm-hmm. uh, traded Frank Tavares to the Mets for Foley, and then the Pirates did not get Bill Madlock until June 28th of that year. That's, you know, that's halfway through the season. And, and one of the things that Chuck always talked about was that he had to do a great sales job on Madlock Madlock was a two-time batting champion, yep. and yet Chuck convinced him that he would be better served batting sixth in the order, and that's where Madlock hit because Parker batted third, Stargell fourth, Milner and Bill Robinson platooned in left field and batted fifth, so then it was Madlock in the sixth spot. The other thing, because Madlock arrived, then finally Phil Garner could go over to second base where he belonged. He was really not a, a good third base, but he right. belonged at second base. And and the Madlock trade opened uh, opened that spot to move Garner to second base. Now you mentioned Chuck Tanner. Uh, you were there for Danny Murtaugh's last year in '76. Uh, he won two World Series with the Pirates in '60 and '71, and then Chuck Tanner came in. How different were things with Tanner? What was the difference between the two? <laughs> well, they used to, they used to kid that sometimes Danny Murtaugh would be sleeping on the bench, right? Um, and remember, you know, Danny was the old school manager that sat down all the time. Mm-hmm. Chuck Tanner never sat down. Chuck right. Tanner, you know, as a matter of fact, would be right there by the corner of the dugout. If a ball was popped up, he'd be, you know, he'd be yelling to the first baseman's catcher or the catcher, Otter Nicosia, about, you know, who should make the play and all that. Uh, you know, Chuck was, quite obviously, everybody knew that Chuck was, was so positive about things, but in a realistic way. And, and uh, uh, there was nothing phony about Chuck Tanner. Uh, he was a great manager. A great, uh, and yet he, the advantage that also Chuck always talked about was Chuck Tanner had, had a guy in the clubhouse that was going to run the clubhouse, Willie Stargell. And so Chuck didn't have to worry about that. Chuck didn't spend a lot of time in the clubhouse. He knew Willie would take care of the clubhouse and, uh, and Willie did. And, uh, I'm, I'm so pleased that, that I had an opportunity to be a part, a small part of that team as a broadcaster and to, to meet some pretty remarkable people, including Willie Stargell. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Stargell's role, uh, and you, you kind of explained it right there, but uh, when you say he took care of the clubhouse, what do you mean by that? Well, if, if, if guys were dogging it, if there was a guy that didn't run out of ground ball, then Willie would take care of it. Willie would go and, and he'd have, uh, you know, he, and, and you know, Willie was always able to, to, to loosen the club up. As a matter of fact, Jacoby has told me that before the final out, and you talked about that Merv Redman fly ball, and I'll take that back, it was uh, 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 Kelly, I guess it was, that hit the fly ball in Marino. Um, but Tacoby told me that before that final batter, Willie came over to Teak and said, hey, Teak, if you turn new, too nervous here, I'll pitch. I'll pitch and get the final out for us. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, I, I, I was going to ask you about how the game is different, uh, uh, and it's a lot uh, different now than it was back then, but... Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was Colby because I know he's a friend of yours. He still lives here in Pittsburgh. Um, and uh, when people talk about the great closers today, uh, Pirates have a good one right now. But they don't come in. They, they're only used when the team is ahead and they come in in the ninth <laughs> inning. And yeah. I, I, I don't know the exact situation, but in Game 7 that we were just talking about, Kent Colby was the pitcher for the last out. But he came in in the bottom of the eighth inning of that game. I can remember it, uh, and I when you look at the highlights on YouTube, I, it really comes back to me. It was really cold there that night. Our our spot in the press box was actually in the stands. They on a temporary press box. I was sitting kind of behind home plate, you know, a couple sections back, freezing in there, and it's the, the place is rocking. It's the seventh game of the World Series on the road. And um, I think there were runners at second and third, and Eddie Murray was coming up, something like that. Now, and, base, John, bases base is loaded. Yeah. And, uh, and Ed, Eddie Murray hit a fly ball, and, and Parker slipped. Yeah. Dave Parker almost fell down, uh, but he didn't. And uh, yeah, you're right, Jacoby was on for the eighth inning. But if I can I'm remember. Mistaken, he, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, so what, you what, go ahead, what struck me was that 
the difference between then and now is that Kent, there's this skinny guy, Kent Tocalvi, walking in <laughs> from the bullpen. That, that stadium felt like it was going to c- come falling down. Cold night, ugly, one of the best hitters in the game, up seventh game of the World Series. That was a closer back then. And, yeah. and, and well, that's, that's, what, that's how he made his living. Well, we're fortunate in Pittsburgh that between Elroy Pace and Kent Tocalvi, and we've had some great relief pitchers. Yeah. Uh, of course, I'm prejudiced with Keek because we're such great friends. Yeah, but um, so Chuck Tanner was known as Captain Hook back then, uh, which is fine for Tukalvi. He got about 140 appearances that year. But but how much of a factor was his handling of the staff that year? Well, remember remember too that, that there was a dispute between Tanner and Bert Blylevin. Yep, Blylevin didn't want to come out of games. Right, and 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 yet and yet keep in mind that Chuck Tanner decided to go with Rooker as the starter in Game 5, and Rooker had been on the disabled list twice that year, and Rook did such a masterful job. I, I think he had a no-hitter through four. He pitched through five, and then Blylevin pitched the last four innings out of the bullpen. Yep. So a great example of Chuck Tanner's ability to handle people and send the message to them that, hey, this is a, this is we're on, we're on a mission here to win a world championship, and, and I can lead you there, guys, if you'll follow follow my my leadership and they did and and by the way they were given no chance when that world series started to beat the orioles and then they went down three games to one and then they really were given no chance yeah uh, and what, what do the orioles have uh three 20 game winners uh, yeah. on their staff something like that yeah yeah now atlanta i remember i was uh, working at channel four at the time this is a, yeah, I, you were you were in your bathing suit with Bob Prince that World Series. That's right. If, yeah, that's right. That's on YouTube. I think you can find it there. Uh, that was Bob Prince's idea, by the way. But um, no, I I can remember uh, they 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 were down three games to two. They had just won a game, but they had to win two more, and they had to do it in Baltimore. And I we we worked with the ABC station in Baltimore. Uh, you know, our sister station down there was also a Hearst station. So we were going to do our work in there, our editing and all that kind of thing. And I arrived in the, uh, I got to the station in Baltimore, WBAL it is, uh, TV. And every single person in the newsroom was wearing a T-shirt that said Baltimore Orioles 1979 World Champions. It was, the, <laughs> they hadn't played game six yet. So that's that's what the Pirates were facing when they went to Baltimore. And and um, what I was always um, touched by, you know, back to the Chuck Tanner comment concerning his mom, was that remember October seventeenth, nineteen seventy nine. That that's the date that the Pirates won that World Series, and and so Chuck Tanner's handed the trophy by Billy June and Jimmy Carter, who was president at the time, was there in the clubhouse. So here we are at eleven o'clock on October seventeenth, eleven p.m. At 11 o'clock the next morning, all of us are in Newcastle, Pennsylvania, wow. uh, helping Chuck bury his mom. So you talk about the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. There, there's the there's the spin, and Chuck goes from from the championship on the 17th, burying his mom on the 18th, and then of course the celebration in Market Square right after that. Yeah, and it, what's funny, Lanny, is that um, well, Chuck was what about 47, 48 back then. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I guess you're right. I don't remember that. Yeah, but but I mean, um, and Willie Stargell was when you get to be our age, you're the same age as I am. When you get to be our age, and you think back, and they, they used to call Willie Stargell pops. He was 37 or 38 years old, and you know, they looked at as like this grizzled old veteran. You know, that's uh, yeah, he, um, he he did such a just a masterful job and, and hit so many big home runs for the Pirates that year. If you go back and look at so many key home runs that Willie hit during the course of the the, the season, yeah. And um, well, I think I think the, the guy that that I really enjoyed watching, maybe it's because I knew him in the minor leagues, was Omar Moreno. Uh, that's another thing that's changed in the game. They don't steal bases. They don't play small ball the way they used to. Uh, it was the, the whole stadium was on the edge of their seat every time that guy got on first base, and he 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 would do little things in games that would turn the game in the uh, in favor of the Pirates. Well, and, and adding to the running game, keep in mind that Matt Alexander yep. was on that ball club, and he was basically just there to to to, to be part of the running game for Chuck Tanner. Yeah, I knew him in the minor leagues too. Um, but uh, Chuck Tanner uh, was was that was that seventy nine or seventy eight that he batted uh, John Milner against uh, Tug McGraw? No, that was seven. That, no, that, that's uh, that's another uh, great um, 
comment about when I was talking about the magical nature of 79. Remember that game at, at uh, Sunday afternoon against the Philadelphia Phillies. Doug McGraw comes in. Steve Nicosia was four for four in that game. Yep. But Chuck Tanner felt that because Milner was a left-handed batter and McGraw threw a screwball, that Milner would be the best guy to bat in that situation. And so, sure enough, Milner hits the grand slam and wins the first game of a doubleheader. And then six days later, we're at Veterans Stadium in Philadelphia, Tug McGraw against Ed Ott, bases loaded. Ed Ott hits a grand slam. Yeah, that's tremendous. So are you involved in the reunion at all and the ceremonies at the ballpark? I I am, uh, and I'm I'm deeply indebted to uh, to uh, Mr. Nutting and to, and to Frank Coonley for inviting me. Uh, you know, I have nothing to do with the team winning, but I certainly was anxious to see all these guys. Uh, tonight we're having dinner, and then tomorrow we'll be introduced on the field. And then also uh, Mark Garda, who's the director of broadcasting, and Joe Billadu, who's in charge of the alumni group, uh, they told me that uh, my, my former partners want me to be on the broadcast a little bit tomorrow night. So oh, that'd be great. Uh, that'll be That'll be a real thrill for me to be back in back in the catbird seat as, yeah. as Red Bomber used they to say. They gotta let you call a couple innings. Come on. Well, I, I'm gonna keep score. Oh. I'm gonna keep score <laughs> so that uh if I get a chance, uh you know, I, you know, because you and I are colleagues at Waynesburg, right. I love doing play by play. I love yep. I love putting the headset on and announcing baseball. So if I get that chance tomorrow it'll be a real real treat for me. Yeah, I wanna mention uh that just before we go, I got about thirty seconds. Uh you're teaching the play by play uh, sportscasters of the future down at Waynesburg, you and I, aren't you? Well, with, with, your, with your help, that's exactly right. And and as you know, uh, one of the things we're really proud of is that uh, Jack Hillgrove, Hillgrove's grandson, yep. chose Waynesburg, chose to come to Waynesburg. And, and that was a real, uh, we, we took that as a great honor that the grandson of Bill Hillgrove decided to come to Waynesburg. And we have sports announcing camp. And by the way, Jack Hillgrove, uh, I, I kid him all the time, by the way, I say I keep telling Jack Kilgrove, you're going to be the voice of an NFL team, but it might be the Baltimore Ravens or the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I think he's going to take his grandpap's job, but that you know that he's got a couple <laughs> years for that. He's still a kid in college. Yeah, well, I hope so because Bill's such a great announcer, and and you know we want Bill we want Bill behind the microphone as long as we can. Oh, I hope he's there till he's ninety. Hey, Lanny, I, I I'm out of time. I appreciate you doing this. Have a good time at the reunion. I'll see you down at Waynesburg. You. Okay, thanks very much, John. Okay, that's Lanny Frateri, longtime voice of the Pittsburgh Pirates, and we'll be right back. homes and businesses. This is John Stagerwald. If you've had damage to your roof, windows, siding, or gutters and downspouts, you may be eligible to get them replaced or repaired free of charge. All you have to do is visit windowsrspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows R Us is the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, doors, and of course windows. If damage isn't your issue and you just want something new, you'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. Why pay twice as much with other companies? Visit the area's premier exterior replacement company at windowsrspittsburgh.com. Mention STAG for an additional 10% off at windowsrspittsburgh.com. That's windowsrspittsburgh.com. Windows R Us, proud sponsor of the Jerk of the Week, heard every Friday right here on the John Stagerwald Show. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. This is AM 1250. The answer. Miracle League of Moons, Mike McGulloch joins us. Mike, how's the new field house coming? The building permit was issued. We have the majority of the earthwork done, and they should be pouring foundation pads in the restrooms over the next week or two. Those restrooms are really going to make a big difference for athletes with special needs, aren't they? The ability to be able to use a restroom has always been difficult. You see how little space there is or little accommodations are made for individuals with disabilities, but it's something that we can make a little bit easier for everybody. From the field house to the ball field to the playground, it's really going to be state-of-the-art. It'll be updated with ramping systems and different things so that individuals that have problems with their mobility will be able to get to the same spots that everyone else that easily can get to. And every dollar you give goes directly to the project. Our board is funding all the administrative costs, so any donation from anyone goes directly to the construction of the field. Let's make miracles happen. Give today at miraclesinmoon.org slash donate. Sponsored by Robinson Town Center, a Zamias Properties entity. 
This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Uh, finishing up the week here, um, and I, uh, I wanted to make sure I got this in. I have a little bit of time here. Uh, we talked in the first half hour about the moonshot, the 50th anniversary, uh, the moonwalk, I should say. Uh, is 50th anniversary is tomorrow night. And um, William Sapphire was the speechwriter for Richard Nixon. And uh, he, he, I think it was like 30 years later, like in 1999, something like that, he uh, let everybody know that he had actually written a speech for Nixon, who was president at the time, of course, um, if the mission to the moon had failed. And the problem was the, the, the most dangerous thing was getting them up from the moon and hooked up with the command module again so that they could fire off and head back to Earth. That was the most dangerous uh, part of the whole whole uh, trip. So uh, William Sapphire says he remembers Frank Borman came to him and said, um, hey, you're working on this moonshot. You want to consider a uh, you know an alternative posture for the president in the event of mishaps. Uh, and so this is the speech that William Sapphire wrote for Richard Nixon in case those two guys stayed on the moon. Fate has ordained that the men who went to the moon to explore in peace will stay on the moon to rest in peace. These brave men, Neil Armstrong and Edward Edwin Aldrin, know that there is no hope for their recovery, but they also know that there is hope for mankind in their sacrifice. These two men are laying down their lives in mankind's most noble goal, the search for truth and understanding. They'll be mourned by their families and friends. They'll be mourned by their nation. They'll be mourned by the people of the world. They'll be mourned by Mother Earth that dared send two of her sons into the unknown. In their exploration, they stirred the people of the world to feel as one in their sacrifice they bind more tightly to the brotherhood of man in ancient days men looked at stars and saw their heroes in the constellations in modern times we do much the same but our heroes are epic men of flesh and blood others will follow and surely find their way home man's search will not be denied but these men were there first and they will remain the foremost in our hearts for every human being who looks up at the moon and the nights to come will know that there is some corner of another world that is forever mankind. How's that for ending the week? Tomorrow night, 50 years. Thanks for listening. See you next week. The John Steigerwall Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.